Second Peter 1, verses 1 through 4 is our reading for this evening. Um, let's listen together to God's holy and infallible word. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. That's our reading for tonight. So one of the most memorable characters in 20th century popular literature is um, um, an individual, um, I, not really a person, but uh, someone by the name of Gollum. Not even sure what to call him. He's in the Lord of the Rings. Um, and my precious, uh, the question of the sermon title is, what's your precious tonight? His precious uh, is the one ring that we trace throughout the books. And its corruptive power uh, made him uh, deteriorate over time. He, he was once uh, one of the three types of hobbits. But uh, this, this ring really ruined him. But it had such an addictive hold on him that it always remained his precious. He loved it. He, he couldn't part with it. And there are all kinds of misdirected loves that people can have, like that ring. They're bad for us, and yet they're our precious. We cling to them, whether that's a liquor bottle, a bad relationship uh, you just can't let go of, some sort of other bad habit that you continue to treasure. One of the best things that you can do uh, is replace an addictive, harmful precious in your life with something positive that can be helpful, right, for getting rid of bad habits. Whether it's something positive like, like putting some more time and energy into a friendship, keeping yourself fit with regular exercise, uh, maybe journaling, starting to serve more intently and purposefully in the church and beyond, reading God's Word, prayer, the Bible talks about this as taking off the old and putting on the new. Peter, who was a leader of Jesus' 12 disciples and a leader in the early church, wrote both of his little letters to Christians scattered throughout uh, present-day Turkey. First, Peter focuses more 
on problems they faced from the outside, like persecution. And in fact, probably just a few years after writing the second letter, Peter was killed for being a Christian. Second Peter talks about difficulties too, but more within, like false teachings, uh, threatening to break up the church and lead people astray and shake their faith. Precious is one of Peter's favorite words, and you find it six times in his two letters, which doesn't seem like a whole lot, but the only other place we find this word in the New Testament is in Revelation, the, the, the disciple John wrote, and there it's five times. So in First and Second Peter, we have more than half of the New Testament uses of this word precious. And as our letter starts, Peter calls our faith precious as he seeks to build up believers. Since I was in, in grade school, uh, for sure since sixth grade, but maybe even younger than that, I've always been very interested in rocks, and I still have a rock collection. It's not as organized as it once was because of, of uh, children exploring the rocks and organizing them um, by color instead of the uh, a more how you should organize them. Uh, but uh, one of my most, my most recent addition uh, to the collection of rocks is this one. It's uh, selenite. Um, and with the stone that's precious, and I'm not pretending, don't worry, this is not uh, costly. The one I really wanted to bring was uh, amethyst, which is purple quartz, but it was like it was literally three thousand dollars, and uh, that goes beyond the the rock budget that uh, the elders and deacons give me. This is not nearly that expensive, but one of the coolest things I could find for for cheaper. Um, so what you do though with a, a stone that's precious to you doesn't matter how much it is, but if it's, it's, it's beautiful and you admire it and you like rocks, what, what you kind of do is you examine it from all sides, all angles to really appreciate it. Uh, you hold it up to the light to let it sparkle. And that's what Peter does, in a sense, with our precious faith in these verses. And as each one of us puts on the new man more and more, uh, we're just going to take uh, dive in a little bit and take a careful look. Let each angle glisten and sparkle and amaze us and fill our minds and hearts with what God calls precious. And so, what we're to see as precious in our lives. And, and I count six ways our faith is precious in these verses. Three of them tonight. Okay. Our faith is precious, first of all, because it's as valuable as ever, says Peter. Um, he says to his readers that they've received a faith as precious as ours, we read. Ours refers to him and to the other disciples, now called apostles, the founders of the church. And he's saying an amazing thing here because... Unlike the apostles, the people he's writing to have never met Jesus. 
They're like a generation after Christ's time on earth. But, but Peter is saying that their faith is just as precious as the faith of those who met Jesus and, and heard him speak and teach in person. And sometimes we think, oh, if only I could have met Jesus and seen him. Man, my faith would be so much stronger. Then I'd really be a person of strong faith. If only I saw those miracles and, and heard his parables and teachings and saw the empty tomb. If only. But our faith, says Peter, is just as precious as the faith of those who saw and heard those things. Isn't that cool? God's word says, blessed are those who have believed and not seen. And we're truly blessed because our faith is the same as all Christians throughout the ages. It's just as valuable as ever. Even Jesus' disciples don't have anything on us. They aren't more privileged because they saw Jesus. Our faith is just as precious as theirs. Our world, of course, since Bible times has changed and it continues to change so much so that some people think that, you know, maybe what we need to be doing is presenting um, a new faith. Maybe jazz up the faith a little bit or at least tweak it in light of our culture and in light of where we're living and what's going on now. But that would be a very big mistake. The same gospel as 2,000 years ago is what we need. Just as much as a very precious gemstone doesn't lose value over millennia, our faith is as valuable as ever. It's still what you need. It's still what your family needs. It's still what I need. It's still what the world needs. And it has value, it's valuable for everyone. Peter was writing in these letters to both Jews and Gentiles. The precious faith is for all tribes and tongues and colors. And it's even for everyone here tonight if we but open our hearts to the Lord. One precious faith of enduring value for all who believe from Bible times through all of history all the way to the new heavens and the new earth. Our faith is precious also according to these first verses of 2 Peter because it's as personal as ever. A lot of people may talk of faith and of having faith, but it's important to know that the precious faith of God's word, the precious faith that Peter's telling us about, is focused on a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. For any number of folks, a faith might be more of a, of a force or a feeling, but our faith, the biblical faith, is personal because it's about a relationship with our Lord. Uh, we read here that we receive faith through the righteousness of Christ, and that means we're made right in our relationship with God. Naturally, things aren't right there. Sin separates us from Him, and God graciously solves that problem 
by sending Jesus, his son, fully human? Because guess what? It's humans who were lost in sin and fully God because only God could handle the punishment that sin deserves. A proof text uh, for Jesus being God is in verse 1. Did you catch that? Peter calls him Jesus, our God and Savior. We read also that in Christ we receive grace and peace. Grace is God's favor and kindness upon us even though we don't deserve it. And we've got peace. Peace with God and the peace of God for our living. A personal relationship with Jesus will bring peace with it. And we read that both of these are to be multiplied. That's what in abundance refers to. When we have faith in Jesus, uh, we immediately receive grace and peace. Immediately. But we can have more in our Christian life. We can have more. We can keep growing in both. Um, and Second Peter gets at this as it goes on a little bit. But that foundation of faith isn't just something uh, to sit on, to rest in. There's a call for Christians to be striving forward, to keep growing, to never standing still. And Peter asks and prays that that grace and peace increase in believers' lives. And, and so the precious faith that brings us righteousness, grace, and peace, it's focused on a person. Our faith isn't uh, a, a, a random faith or confidence in the human spirit or a confidence in ourselves or a confidence or a, a sense of, of a feeling or a force, but it's focused on Jesus, our God and Savior. There was someone that once said, uh, the trouble with Christians is they get overly hung up on the person of Jesus Christ. Whereas what they should be doing is leaving him behind and just be focusing on living the way he has showed us how to live. Loving others, being good people. And, and sadly, you know, that actually has happened in any number of churches and denominations. But that idea, it's just totally wrong. It's totally wrong. The focus of our faith is on a person. It's on Jesus. And he's the way, the truth, and the life. Our faith is precious too because it involves power. Verse 3 says that uh, Christ's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And when you know Jesus personally, you also experience and you receive the power of God for your life. God's power produces that life. It produces godliness. And in this language of life, uh, the Bible talks about receiving new life in Jesus, becoming born again, becoming part of a new family, the family of God. And when that happens, when you're born again in the family of God, you're born complete. Colossians 2 verse 10 says, we have received fullness in him. 
were complete in him by his power. Tomorrow night, the elders are, are planning to hear the professions of faith of a couple of our students. Anyone who professes their faith and joins the family of God has all the equipment they need to grow. And that's true of all of us. Just like when a baby is born and even still in the womb, it's very small, but everything is there already, right? The organs and the heart. Um, we still, all of us, have a lot of growing to do. But everything is there for that to happen. Sometimes believers, uh, maybe churches, walk around and, and just sort of exist mope, complain about their struggles. Well, we, we get nothing like that in the Bible. Because through divine power, we have everything we need for life and godliness. Uh, to mope, to tread water as a church or as a Christian not living up to our calling, forgetting the power we have is, is really very silly. It would be about as silly as, as lighting your home today with a single candle and, and living by that instead of flipping on the light switches and accessing all that's available because of electricity. Our faith involves power. As we get close to concluding tonight, uh, we might take things a step further. Not only is our faith as valuable, as personal, and as powerful as ever, I, I wonder if it's possible that it's more valuable and personal and powerful than ever. This is what I'm thinking. Um, when you think of the value of our faith, Peter knew and experienced that value, how precious the faith was. You know, remember how he was always so bullheaded? But Jesus worked with him patiently. Worse, he betrayed Jesus. And yet he was tenderly restored to his Lord and even given that mission to feed Jesus' sheep. So he knew of the value and the preciousness of of faith in Jesus, but do you think Peter ever could have guessed how much that faith that meant so much to him would mean for millions upon millions of people everywhere? Do you think he had any concept of all the different cultures the gospel would reach? How many different people groups would embrace this precious faith? How the faith would see the church through not only the persecutions in Peter's day, but so many more persecutions throughout the centuries. And he'd never be able to conceive of just how many Christians over the years would have to deal with terrible storms and challenges in their lives, but how with that precious faith, they'd make it through. And is our faith 
may be more personal than ever, even though we haven't met Jesus in personal. Because after all, when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, he sent his spirit to live in our hearts, to personally be with us forever. That's closer, you know, than he was to the disciples who walked next to him. Jesus is closer to us than if we were walking on the road next to him in Bible days because he's in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And I wonder, too, if our faith isn't more powerful than Peter could ever have imagined. Peter couldn't have imagined how the Christian faith would persist through 2,000 plus years of history and hold strong through all the political, social turmoil of the ages, through all sorts of different governments, through dictatorships, through that odd feudal system of the Middle Ages, through corruption in the church, through communism, capitalism, through materialism and humanism and the enlightenment and rationalism and our feelings-based culture today, through depressions and recessions and world wars, through social media and Netflix and smartphones, through the valley of the shadow of death and through sickness and pain. Can you think of anything so strong and powerful and persistent? Anything else that you'd be willing to stake your life on? Anything else that you'd be willing to bet the farm on? No, there's nothing. It has the power to bring us through it all, even this generation, with probably more temptations and distractions for us as believers than any generation before. And it has the power for the church to do her job, to make disciples so that we might experience God's word, express God's love, and be equipped to plant our flag into every area of life, from education to finance to technology to artistic endeavors to agriculture to business to athletics. And so I, I want to encourage you and, and myself to, uh, to treasure and embrace this precious faith as we've looked at it from a few different angles like Peter wants us to. It's as, it's as valuable, it's as personal, it's as powerful as it ever was. And it will see us through to the end. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, this faith that we have that's as precious as ever, as valuable as ever, as personal as ever. And, oh God, draw us closer and closer uh, to the person of your Son and to a relationship with him. Thank you, O oh God, for how its power has persisted throughout the millennia and how it's uh, powerful and effective 
even for us today in our lives. Oh God, thank you that our embracing of this precious faith can happen uh, because you have worked in our hearts and, and revealed to us by your Holy Spirit just how precious you are, Lord Jesus, and oh God, how precious our faith is. Thank you for this opportunity in worship tonight uh, to hear from your word, uh, to grow in faith, and may uh, that growth continue uh, through all our days, and even in this week to come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.